Welcome to the Softy Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast where we're going to be doing a triple header of player performance reviews for this season. We've got Teddy and Paul McAllister with me, and we're going to run the rule over three different members of our first team squad tonight, and then we'll finish with our classic matchday squad quiz at the end between Teddy and Paul. The segments will be separate on YouTube, as always, we'll introduce the separate reviews as we go. So anyway, let's get straight to it. The season now concluded, we're going to run the rule over individual performances and the first of tonight's triple header, it's the turn of our club captain, Seamus Coleman. Teddy and Paul, like to say, join me for this. We'll start with you, Teddy. How do you think Seamus has played this season? He's had a bit of a weird one, Seamus, hasn't he? Like he's, We went into the season probably thinking, well, I know I did, thinking he's, tight. he's winding up a little bit now, like he's, he's going to transition much like Leighton Baines did with uh, Luca Dean, into being the second choice uh, right back. Could still happen, but it didn't happen this season. Like We brought Gibral Sadibe in, and at the beginning of the season, for me, Sadibe would have been an automatic starter. I, under Marco Silva and the way Marco Silva played and this formation he played, I didn't see what Coleman offered anymore. He, he couldn't get up and down the pitch anymore like he used to. He, his legs hadn't gone per se, but he just lost that edge for, of like you know, acceleration to get him past the man, which he used to rely on quite a lot. And his final ball, I thought, had got a lot worse. Um, so I was basically thinking we've got to play Sadibe. And, and for that price, Sadibe's price, should I, I want to buy him. I think it's nailed on. But then as the season went on, and when we changed manager, Coleman had a sort of like a second wind, and he transformed and adapted his game into being this right-back slash right-centre-back of a three, which is, you know, Carlo Ancelotti came in. Remember the very first game that he played, um, Carlo's first game for Bur- against Burnley? I remember watching it and thinking, because obviously we lined up 4-4-2, as we you know did in the previous games under Duncan, but Coleman was tucked in as a like a back three, and Luca Dean had pushed up. And I was thinking, what's, you know, this is new. Like, it was the fir- very first thing I noticed. And since we've switched to that sort of you know, fluid, you know, change at the back. Seamus Coleman has now gone from, you know, probably needs to be phased out to, I think he's the first choice right back until we get an absolute quality replacement. I think he's put extra seasons on his Everton career because he's much more effective, especially after the lockdown in the games where, you know, apart from the obvious games where the old team was awful. In After the lockdown, he was really effective. He pocketed Mane in the derby, the nil-nil. I thought he, he, you know, if we're going to roll like that, if we're going to play four four two, but have the right back be sort of like a defensive minded right back and push Luca Dean up, then I think Seamus Coleman has got a big role to play in that because he's he's turned himself into a, a, a better defender than an attacker, which is, was not the case of the rest of his career. That's an interesting point because I mean I think from an attacking perspective I've been. Very disappointed in Seamus Coleman this season, and I know he is on the wane in that respect. But 
I still don't like his ambition at times. I think he lacks ambition going forward these days. I don't think he looks for enough forward passes. But on the defensive side of things, like you say, I think he's been a hell of a lot better than he has been in the past. Paul, what about you, mate? What do you think? Um, I, I feel quite differently to Terry, Terry to be honest. Um, this season has just, for me, rubber stamped that Coleman doesn't have much use at all anymore. Really, I've lost a lot of respect for Coleman this season on the pitch as a player and on the pit, off the pitch as a captain. But the, if Sadibi would have been any good, basically, then Coleman wouldn't have got a sniff this season. Because yeah, Sadibi's not adequate defensively, we know that. Yeah, if, if, if Sadibi would have been good enough that people were saying we're going to buy him, then he'd have played 30 games, started 30 games easily. Coleman, I don't think, has anything really to offer anymore. All right, he's had a few good defensive performances here and there, but so do even the most limited defenders. Well, I, I was about to say, you know, he's doing what Tony Ibbott was doing, and even Tony Ibbott was better at passing forward than what I've seen from Coleman this year. Coleman's no Tony Ibbott, do you know what I mean? I will give him that, but just because a player can do the basics defensively when they're a fullback doesn't suddenly mean that they've got this second wind, in my opinion, at least I don't really want us to be seeing Seamus Coleman much in the future unless we've got an injury crisis or whether we've just got a, I don't know, a meaningless game in a, in a cup or something and he's just one of the players who we decide to give a run out to. But Seamus Coleman, no. I, I don't believe personally that he's put years on his Everton career. I'll differ with Terry on that. I, I, I think that if we can get an half-decent night back in the summer, then I was, wouldn't be at all sad if Coleman's moved on or if he's just relegated to a complete bit part role. I'll put it this way. If John Joe Kenny comes back to the club and he isn't sold, then I would much rather see John Joe Kenny as our right back next season than Coleman. I think Kenny has more to offer than Coleman does at this stage. I, I actually agree with you on this one, Paul, because um, I think we've, we've done a few shows recently, me and you, Terry, and I think I probably made it quite clear that I'm a bit of a detractor of Seamus Coleman. And I am keen to see either John Joe Kenny or preferably a new right-back take on that role. We need someone more dynamic. I think we talk, we spoke about his physicality, maybe being on the way, getting forward in that second wind, his acceleration and whatnot. But I think it's also a big problem with his mentality as well. I don't think he's ambitious enough to... He doesn't necessarily have to bomb forward and join attacks, but he needs to pick a forward pass, and I don't think he can do it. I, I think there's so many times where, as bad as Jibril Sadibi has been defensively, he'll pick the ball up and try and pass forwards, at least. And I, I just think it's... For a, someone who's supposed to be the club captain and, you know, supposed to be a bit of a leader, I just think he doesn't lead by example. He passes backwards, and, you know, I think that kind of thing has seeped into the whole team in that respect. Yeah, I wouldn't call him like a coward or anything. I wouldn't put him in the same bracket as like a Sigurdsson. No, he's not like a Sig- not no. like a Sigurdsson. No, he's not, yeah, he's, he's not like that. As in, like he just gets on the ball and he wants rid of it straight away because he's he's petrified or he can't be bothered. I just don't think he's got it in him anymore. Really, don't. I I think he's at this point in his career really struggling to stay at the level that's required of a Premier League fullback. Yeah. At least in my opinion, he is. No, so, I'm, I'm I'm very much with you on that, and I think. Teddy nailed it before that it, losing his acceleration and his speed is yeah, that was probably his most crucial attribute to getting forward and getting past players. He's, he's lost his wings. Yeah, yeah, precisely. 
And if, if we're going to do a bit more of what Terry mentioned, where Carlo plays like, like the kind of the tucked in right back type of thing, I'd rather see Holgate do that, to be honest, and have another centre half in the middle with Akeen or Amina, or maybe Branthwaite if Branthwaite hangs around. I, obviously, we're all desperate to see a new centre half uh, come in and a new centre mid, but if we're going to play this sort of hybrid three at the back, then I, I don't want to see Coleman in that personally. I think Holgate actually might be very well suited to that kind of role. I think we speak about Holgate being like the right centre-back in a back three, but, I mean, that's kind of what we shift to when we have that sort of versatile formation that Carlo uses. Yeah, because Holgate's got a bit of pace and can um, take the ball forward a little bit and be the ball-playing centre-half, whereas what Col- Cole Coleman's going to do, basically, is just try and make sure no-one gets in behind him, really. But there's two other centre-halves who are doing that. You'd imagine so if, if one of them's going to be um, a new centre half and Keane or Mina, if one of them bangs around, which I imagine at least one of them will. So, yeah, Seamus Coleman, you know, I don't want to be too hard on him. He's he's, he's a long term player. He, I, I do believe he gives it his best in every game. I just don't think his best is good enough really anymore. So, if he, if he stays at the club, then I really want it to be just in a bit part role. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the one thing that also makes me a bit, you know, as a tractor of Coleman's is the you know, we've had some terrible performances recently and the sound bites. I mean I'm not I don't a fan. Want to, yeah. Shut, not shut a up, Seamus. Yeah. That, that's I I'm sorry for interrupting, but that really annoys me that when that came out a few weeks ago, I saw a lot of Evertonians who were like, Oh, my captain with loads of blue hearts, he gets it, he's talking for the fans, he's speaking from the heart. But he's done I've this a hundred he's done this a hundred times in the last yeah, couple of years. I've got, I've got I've got no doubt he means what he's saying, but he's got no right to be saying it. He, he has played under eight Everton managers, if you include if you include caretakers. He's played under Moyes, he's played under Martinez, he's played under Kerman, he's played under Unsworth, he's played under Allardyce, he's played under Silva, he's played under Ferguson, and now he's played under Angelotti. Now, I'm not saying he's one of the ones who's down tools on these managers, but he certainly hasn't gone out of his way to lead by example under all those managers and be the shining light during a dark time. A week after he was given that interview, saying, oh, it's not good enough, some of these players don't care, he was dragged off less than an hour. When, what was that, the game after Wolves? Yeah, was, Aston um, Villa. Well, that was where Aston I... Yeah, he was off after an hour. He brought on and I went. I mean, Jibbyo Sadibi's not great, but he brought Sadibi on and I was like, oh my God, he's we've got a right-back pass and forwards here. And that was what... It was infuriating me watching him in that Villa game because, you know... Yeah, he, so... He, he, I was expecting a response from him given that it was a, a much more feisty talk than what it normally was, but it still didn't bring the response that we expected. Yeah, so the point I'm trying to ram home is is even if he can't really contribute much on the pitch as a player anymore, I still I don't think he's got anything to offer as a captain, really, because you look at someone like Gerrard when he was winding down as a player for Liverpool in that final season or two, he was still very much the club captain, the leader of the dressing room. He was having a big influence off the pitch on players, and I don't think Coleman does. And even, and even if he tries hard and he means what he's saying in all these interviews, it's old hat now, and it was old hat a long time ago. No one's interested. Or people shouldn't be interested because not never comes of it. So, you know, yeah, there's not many players who are allowed to say these kind of things. It's only players who are delivering consistently who are allowed to make those kind of comments. And I mean, I know there are you can be a captain and be a poor player, but you know, there's got to be a point where you deliver on what you're saying yourself. You know, that that's exactly. where you command the respect of the dressing room as well as a captain. Exactly. 
So yeah, basically, I've just I've I've seen all I want to see of Seamus Coleman in a, in an Everton shape. That's all I want to say. Don't want to be horrible about him. I don't want to see him kind of thrown out the club coldly and not given any sort of praise at all. Because he has done well for the majority of his time at Everton, but I think the time is nigh for Coleman to leave or at least just be relegated to a to the background completely. Yeah, I think very much agree with you on that. I mean, Terry, what do you think? I know me and Paul have had a bit of a Coleman bashing fest there. I don't know what, if you want to say your piece, because I know you're a bit more pro-Coleman than us two are. I wouldn't say I was pro-Coleman. I just think with this um, slight shift of formation and this new role, I think he's got a little bit more in the tank than, than I would have thought, Like because... I think he suits that sort of right-back tucked-in role more than he suits the, the going-forward right-back. Now, that's not to say we don't replace him. I actually don't think Holgate would work there. I know it seems like he would. But, you know, they don't play as a third centre-back the whole match. They play too much as a right-back for Holgate, I think. Yeah, I think that'd be a waste of him. But, I yeah, I, I agree that he probably should at this point um, be sort of, you know, like Baines, like I said earlier. You know, he probably is about time he's he sort of replaced by a better player, but he's still there, you know, to provide competition and, and, you know, support and what have you. But just reading, you know, between the lines on the pitch, I think he's he's definitely been identified as one of uh, Carlo's men. So I, I think he will probably still see a lot of them. I, I, you'll notice that when the club are putting out the, where the targets they want, um, it's, you know, centre-back, centre-midfielder and right-midfielder. Oh, and if we sell... John Joe Kenny, we might get a right back. I think we're going to get another loan for another right back, even if Kenny does go, because I think they're happy with Coleman for now, and they'll address the right back probably next summer, and rather than try and do it all at once. I mean, something we haven't touched on because obviously we've we've made our points of what we think the future for Coleman is. It's just there's some keystones in the season. I felt that earlier in the season that the senior players were letting Marco Silva down. Like, the young players away from home, like the Calvert-Lewins and Richarlison's and what have you, they weren't the ones getting sent off. It was always Schneiderlin and Holgate. Not Holgate, uh, Coleman, by mistake. Uh, so, Coleman got himself sent off early in the season in a key away game. And he was stood in the tunnel, if you remember, just folding his arms, looking like he was pissed off. And it was just like, I wasn't happy with that from, from a club captain's point of view. It's like, you got yourself sent off needlessly, mate. You've let your manager down, you've let the team down. And not long after that was the infamous Andre Gomez injury, where I think he lost a lot of fans on this day when he went into the dressing room for young Min Son. Yeah, that was appalling. He deliberately done Gomez. Now, obviously, he didn't deliberately mean to break his ankle or, or what have you, but it was highlighted after the game. Nearly every media outlet just said, oh, no, it's you know, he's not that sort of boy, except all the times that he is, that have been highlighted. Yeah, he, he kicked Rudiger like a couple of weeks after he yeah, one to a Bournemouth player. He, he, he 100% is that type of boy. He, he you know, He's deliberately fouled a lot of people and he caught a flailing arm off Gomez and went, in, went to do him. And then, obviously, Rudiger's... Not Rudiger, um... I'm terrible at names. Sergio Aurier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's gone in on him as well uh, um, as he's been on the way down. And between them, they've injured them. But if you look at Son, he's got like a, a grimace face when he's tackling Gomez. Besides the point, he's deliberately injured one of his teammates and he went into him in the, in the dressing room afterwards and consoled him, the Everton captain. The Everton captain should have been trying to get at him to kill him. 
was not happy can you, with can, can you imagine Dave Watson or someone doing that? Duncan Ferguson. Duncan. It's just... It, it, uh, even, even Phil Neville, you'd never have seen Phil Neville do that. It was just... I thought that was just media nonsense, basically. Oh, he's gone in and, and you know put his arm around Son. It's like, why? He's Like, Luca Dean was trying to get at Pochettino that day. And that, to me, made me think, I'd rather have Dean as the captain. For if he's oh, abs- absolutely, absolutely. Now, obviously, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Coleman apparently is a very, very good captain. And, you know, captain's obviously a lot of off-the-field responsibility. So I'm not suggesting that he should be stripped of captaincy or anything like that. But I didn't like that sort of example, to be said. I want... It was was a very, like, it shows why we're a charitable club and in the sense that we hand points to teams the same way we hand this... Just made us look a walkover. I was like, I was really disappointed in in Coleman that day. And that was the day... Like for me, I, I'm usually quite late to the party to turn on managers, and I don't think I turned on Silver that day. But that was a big, big moment for me where I was like, Ugh, "It's not what an Everton manager should be doing in this scenario. We should be coming out and fighting for the club." Which Carlo immediately got when he went storms over to the referee when the goal. Oh, the Man- Manchester United, yeah. Just showed you that I think I said after that game that's the difference between the two managers. I want the Everton manager to fight for the club, and I also want the captain to fight for the club. It's all well and good coming out as Paul touched on before, and given the same old rallying cry um, that he all, that they always given and seeing no change in performance, but that was just took the took the biscuit that way. He, he consoled an opposition player who's injured one of his teammates in a deliberate tackle, like a tackle that he a, ven- a vendetta tackle? A vendetta tackle, yeah. It wasn't a deliberate injury, but it was a deliberate foul. Like, I'm trying to foul him to teach him a lesson, and he's, you know, it's the risk of these suckers has come in. So uh, Coleman, uh, Coleman, I lost a lot of time for Coleman that I, day. I, I definitely, I've, I've lost. I mean, I, I wasn't pleased with like, like you said, I've, I've not been pleased with performance this season. But I'm completely, I completely <laughs> forgot about that, and I, I now I realise why. At what point I started to lose respect for Seamus Coleman, which was, it's a shame because he, he like, like Paul said, he has contributed brilliantly to the Everton cause for a long time. But I think he is washed up now, in my opinion, as an Everton player. Probably. Just just the final thing about the captaincy thing. Being a good human being isn't a qualification to be a captain. Roy Keane is the most miserable, horrible bastard I've ever seen in football. <laughs> but he is one of the greatest captains the Premier League has ever seen. Do you know what I mean? So Colin being this nice fella behind the scenes who's really friendly to people does not mean he should be the leader out on the pitch. So I, I mean, just, I think Teddy's made me. that point himself. I think that it's not always an on the pitch thing. I think you say you say this regularly to me, Teddy, that it's not an on the pitch role captaincies, but I don't think it matters. I think even off the pitch now, I'm starting to get the point that Paul's making here is that even in the dressing room, you can't afford to instill this charitable mentality in in your squad and it's I think that rubs off even when even if it's not happening on the pitch it probably gets instilled in players be, before they go onto the pitch yeah, yeah I'm, I mean I'm just I'm just not into changing the captaincy like that unless there's a real obvious you know I've seen captaincies change like you know taken off one player and given to another but there's usually like a very good you know reason like well, Hoybier lost it, didn't he, at Saints because he 
Yeah. Oh, there's a really obvious one. Like, you know, Stephen Gerrard got it off Sammy Appiah, you know, years ago. And, and, and Phil Neville got it off, um, can't remember, was it David Weir? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, where there's clearly a, a more suitable captain. But a captain... When you look around our team, I'd like more leaders, and and you know, you've, everyone mentions Holgate and players like that. There's, it's fine having leaders; they don't need to be the captain because the captain's got to do all kinds. The captain's got to book, you know, player nights out. He's got to collect fines for lateness and all that. Your young players don't want to do that. Holgate doesn't want to walk around finding people. Coleman will do it all day. You can imagine him loving it, but I can't. I couldn't. It's different. Countries have got different like roles for captains, so I, I would I would stop short of wanting Coleman to not be the captain, but I'd like when you know he comes out of the team. Say we buy a right back Luca Dean, which obviously everyone hopes we do. I'll sort a right back who goes into the team and he's one of the better players. I'd like to see the captain on the pitch, then go to not Gilfy Sigurdsson, someone else who who's shown those. Fighting qualities on the pitch. It could be Luca Dean. Speaking of Luca Dean, I think it could be him. He's... I, I like Luca Dean. Obviously, you don't know what the, the thoughts are behind the scenes. You know whether he, you know, makes the right people. You know he, he, whether he's pleases the right people behind the scenes. But um, Holgate is another, as you say, is another one. I'd like to see the captain on the pitch slash the new vice captain not be someone like a Sigurdsson, just an older player. I'd like to see it someone who's who's who sets the example, someone who someone can't needs to command, command respect. You've got to command respect. And for me, I don't think Seamus Coleman commands respect. Well no, he clearly doesn't because he he he's given all these rallying cries over the years and absolutely nothing's changed. So no he doesn't but command also respect. but also he doesn't command respect from you know I think that was a very disrespectful thing to the club and the fans to go and console Son. I think that was. I mean, I'm, we might be going a bit too into it here, but the fact that he didn't go and look out for his own teammates and would rather go and I don't, I don't know, he's had a broken ankle himself and he's like, but surely that would make him side with Andre Gomez more, not the person who caused it. Exactly. Who knows? It just it just made me lose a little bit of. Um... You know, a little bit of luster for him. When when he's done that, I was like, because everyone wants them to be captain. Remember, after Jackie Elka for so many years, it was just a natural fit. But when he's done that, I was like, oh, maybe he's not this ideal Everton captain we thought he was because he's he's badly misread the room when he did that. But I do I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's um, he's had a, a season of two halves really. I think the second half of the season he's contributed a lot more than the first. But obviously, for a lot of people, yourselves included, still hasn't contributed enough yeah precisely that I mean I think we'll leave it at that anyway we'll go to our ratings out of 10 Terry 5 Paul I'm toying between 3 and 4 I'll give him a 4 I'll give him a 3 because uh, I was going to give him a four, and then that was, before, <laughs> that was before I was reminded of the Son incidents, which has really like boiled my blood to the point where I want to make it a three. So I mean, that, that that really infuriates me now. I've remembered it again, because, you know, that was, that's, it's an insult to a teammate, I think, that to not look, not look out for him. You know, that, that's not what you want in the dressing room. You, know, you want a tight-knit team where you look out for people, and you've got to look out for each other. And if, if you're not, then... 
what kind of team spirit does that send around? And that's the captain, you know, at the end of the day. It's just really disappointing. So, yeah, he's gone been downgraded from what was originally going to be a four. He's now getting a three off me. Right, next up, we've got an interesting one. We're going to be looking back on the Everton career of Martin Stecklenberg, which is a, you know, going to be plenty of content to reel off for this season. <laughs> this one will be short and not very sweet, I guess, given that Steck has not played a single minute for Everton this season. He supposedly stayed on for an extra year to help push Jordan Pickford in training and you know, provide that kind of presence on the training pitch. Terry, I'll start with you on this one. It's safe to say that if that was the reason he stuck around, he hasn't had an adequate impact in that respect, has he? No, I mean... Because Pickford's tailed off, hasn't he? Let's be honest, it's not been a good season for him. Pickford's been one of the worst keepers in the whole division and has been under no pressure. Like, I, I think... I mean, it's, I don't, you don't know what's going on. It's either damning of, of, you know, of the... Other keepers we've got, Stecklenberg and more so Jonas Lersel. He was brought in and can't get a game ahead of a, a keeper who's costing us goals on a regular basis and, you know, pulling faces every time he makes a mistake and basically getting the fans to turn against him at this point. But Stecklenberg, it's like, there's a reason Pickford's never been dropped for him because we know as soon as he comes in, he's... It's going to be even worse, isn't he? Like the hologram, you know, he's he's been nicknamed the hologram for a reason. And, you know, good, good, you know, professional, um, was good at a time, um, very much finished by the time he got to Everton. Um, and I think we got his one last performance that was any good out of him, <laughs> um, which was um, the Man City game where he saved the two penalties. You know, we'll always have that. But and I think about it, what is it with Manchester City games against Everton and like bringing one good performance out of the keepers? We had it with like Jan Mucha as well, who was like he barely played and he then he comes in against City and was absolutely unbelievable. Like it was like his one the one game he ever played for us. I know. I mean, Stecklenberg, it's it's hard to dislike him. Really, he's you know he's yeah. been a good he's been a good pro and you know if we had a reliable quality first choice keeper who wasn't making us all pull our hair out Stecklenberg would be fine you know second choice keeper is one of those there's a reason it's one of those positions there's a reason that he's going to Ajax because second choice keepers are few and far between you don't not many clubs have got quality you know like two quality goalkeepers look around the whole league even the very best teams their second choice keeper is usually a vast you know step down from the first choice because if they're any good they don't want to be a second choice keeper. So Stecklenberg's been all right in in you know that regard. I think if Pickford would have fell on his ankle or something in a pre in a warm up and he couldn't play, then I don't think Stecklenberg would have been quite as bad as you know some keepers who come in and are just disastrous. But I wouldn't have liked to have seen him for more than like a one off game. But anyway, he's second choice keeper. He's actually made a step up to Ajax in the Champions League and win league titles. So. Who'd be a second choice goalie? Yeah, who doesn't play and just gets yeah. paid? And where, you know, where's the training? Ex Everton players of like you know Richard Wright is the one that springs to mind as an ex Everton player. I mean, he's well, made a career out of winning leagues off not even getting on the bench half the time. Yeah, you know, if, if you could convince someone that you're a good second or third choice goalie, you could get quite a few uh, get on quite a few title winning uh, team photos, couldn't you? Without ever actually contributing anything. 
I mean, I, I always wondered about that uh, Wayne Shaw, the, the fellow who had the pie for Sutton United. I was just thinking, yeah. there, there, there's making a career out of being a second choice keeper. Yeah. <laughs> you, I forgot about that. That was great. That. Class that, wasn't it? Yeah. The, um, was it... Who was it for Chelsea in the Carabao, in the um, you know, believe final? He was going mad with the trophy and he hadn't played a single minute, was it? Um, Robert Green. Robert oh, Green. That's it. I, I wanted to say Roy Carroll, but I knew it wasn't him. It was just like, Robert Green. Quality that. He, he knew what he was doing as well. Oh, it was class. Robert- Robert Green actually said that um, he was one of the only players in the entire Chelsea squad to go up to Sarri and tell him, all the players hate your training and hate your tactics. And I'm not afraid to say it to you because I'm going again. I'm not getting a kick anyway. And I I wasn't getting in the team anyway, so I'll say it to you. I've got nothing to lose by telling you. I didn't know that. It's been out of all. I I feel sorry for Sarri. I thought Sarri got a rough ride at Chelsea. I thought he was okay. Shows how much that... um, Stecklenberg's done that we're actually talking about said former Chelsea manager on his segment. Speaking of former Chelsea managers, is that who's that former Chelsea manager? Oh, Ancelotti, yeah, uh, what's he doing now? It's <laughs> letting uh, Martin Stecklenberg go. See, they, see, we, we we found a way to get back out of that hole there. He's done well there. Uh, speaking of dig, uh, digging ourselves out of a hole, what what do we do with the goalkeeping situation? Because obviously Martin, Martin Stefanberg can move in on to Ajax, as we say. We're going to need a new keeper, aren't we? I want a goalkeeper, because uh, whether we bring him in to replace Pickford or whether we bring him in to challenge Pickford, I just want a goalkeeper who has played a lot of football in the last few years. I, I don't want some youngster who's not experienced, and I don't want some over-the-hill player who... Isn't, wasn't the first choice at the club he's leaving and doesn't play anymore because mentioning Stecklenberg, when we got him, this is an interesting stat because I, I looked this up when I found out we were going to be talking to him. He joined Everton in 2016, but in the, I think the last time Stecklenberg played 30 games in a season was 2011. Yeah, when he left Ajax. That was he left Ajax. Season, but Ajax. Yeah, he, he was basically a number two at Monaco. He was I think he was number one for a while at Fulham, but he was he didn't he wasn't uh, wasn't for a full he went, season. He, he went to Roma from Ajax, started out a first choice, like dropped down. Then yeah. he went to Fulham first choice and dropped down. Yeah, yeah and David Stockdale, and, and then he went then he went to, yeah Monaco and Southampton. He started out number one at Southampton, but Forster took it back off him. Well, he only got in the team initially at Southampton because Forster was injured for quite a while, from what I remember. So that's right. The, yeah. point, the point is, Stecklenberg hadn't been a number one keeper before he joined Everton for about four or five years. It was the days of him playing in World Cup finals were long gone. So when he came to Everton, let's just be honest, he came basically as Coleman, as Coleman Snitch. Every every manager brings them in. They've all got the, the, oh, little, the, the little favourites. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They had eyes and ears in the dressing room. And I don't knock them for that, because every manager does it pretty much. Carlo Ancelotti's like gonna bring one of those in. He's gotta he's gotta bring some I mean, he's, he's got his well, I don't want to be horrible to him, but it's I I I'd imagine it's a big thing of what his son does. His son's eyes and eyes and ears. They're bringing allies in. Do you know what I mean? They're bringing people who are very loyal to them, who are gonna help them try and um, impose them their personality on the squads and on the club. So Stecklenberg, he probably had no ambition when he came here. He probably didn't expect to play much, even though he ended up starting 
Kuman's first season as the number one because we didn't get anyone else and it was a battle between him and Joel. And as you said, um, he starts off as number one and like the three or four clubs he was at before that, he didn't last the entire season number one. He got dropped midway through and then didn't get back in again. So not against him personally, but he was well on the way down when he got to Everton and I would have I would have preferred to have seen him let go or relegated to a distinct number three at least two seasons ago. Yeah, but that's the, that's the situation that we haven't really brought in adequate replacements. That's not a bash on Stecklund there. No, it's, that's, not, that's, it's, 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 it's the fact that we haven't brought in adequate goalkeepers to push Jordan Pickford. And, you know, I think that's shown in Jordan Pickford's performances this season that he feels he's untouchable and it's gone to his head a little bit. Yeah, basically. So, going back to what I said, I want to see another goalkeeper come in whether he's planning to be number one or two, but just be a goalkeeper who has played a lot of football over the last few years, who is used to be a number one and wants to be number one and isn't well past his best. Bring someone in who's hopefully some, somewhere in his mid to late 20s or maybe early 30s, but is still at the top of his game and still isn't willing to settle for just being a number two and playing the odd game in a cup. I've been linked, we've been linked with Salvatore Sirigu, who's 33, but... Has had a very good season with Torino. Would you have him? Um, I don't know a lot about him, to be honest. Um, I know the Italian goalkeepers, 33 to them is like 23, isn't it? They, they go on forever, the Italians. Um, but it's, It screams Ancelotti, to be honest. It, it does, but it, it, it would depend on what type of goalkeeper is he. Is he Does he play with his feet? Does he Does he just do the basics? Um, uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, he's 6'4 and has longer arms, so... You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, good, that's, that's a good start, start isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something I do like the sound of. And if he, if he has great airs as well, then, yeah, why not? He's Italian, I mean, I think they all have decent haircuts one way or another. doesn't yeah. matter whether it's long, short, you know, <laughs> black, blonde, doesn't matter. If you're, um, Al- look, look at Alessandro Pistoni, for instance. Well, my, my favourite show is The Sopranos. If, if you've got a name like that, I'm all for signing yet because that's brilliant. What's his name? Salvatore... Salvatore Sirigu. Oh, I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, um, get honestly, when it comes to answer the question that you'd asked Paul and haven't asked me yet, but you probably would have, <laughs> what would I do about bringing someone in? I, I want to yeah. replace Pickford. I want to replace Pickford. And if, that, if we haven't got the time or the money to do that this summer, which we probably haven't, go with Pickford and, L- and Lazel. Liz was on a three-year contract. We brought start, him in. Start loss on no, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I agreed with him when he said that. I don't know why he gets sick for that. But um, but go with them too. See if Lazel can actually get his way in at this time if he needs to. And then next summer, when COVID-19 is a lot further back in the, in the, um, in the rearview mirror, we hopefully don't need to buy as many new players as we do in other positions this summer. And then, then we can announce our blah. Yeah. Replace Pickford. I don't want to buy another number two. I want to replace Pickford. And then if you need to sell Pickford after you do that or before you do that, which you probably do, it's right after an international tournament. So you're going to get more interest in him then than you are now because he, all he's done recently is make mistake after mistake after mistake. Let him go to the Euros. Let him hopefully save, save another shootout or something and yeah, that's get a stop he- that's as if he's even starting at the Euros. It's a long way to go till then. He'll probably be on the plane, but whether he'll be between the sticks, I don't know. But I want to, I want to replace Pickford. I don't want to replace Stecklenberg. So I just go, what we've got for now, unless there's like 
a no-brainer, like a one million, like 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 Arsal um, <laughs> from Torino. If um, if he comes up and he's dead cheap or free, and then you go, you know, well, why not throw him in there, see what he does, see if we can move Lesel on. But if not, stick with it and then get rid of um, Pickford next summer because I don't think we'll go anywhere with him in goal. But it's it's come too quickly to replace him this summer, I feel. Yeah, well, obviously, and obviously Stecklenberg is going, so we do need to replace a, a goalkeeper regardless of which... Not, not really. I, I, think, I think they'll have Pickford, Lesel and Virginia. I think the reason they let Lesel go out on loan was so he could play some games while we still had Stecklenberg. But now, they've even said as much, I think, by the echo that... Lesel's going to come back and compete with Pickford. So whether he gets in, I don't know, but it's going to be them two and Virginia, and then probably they'll replace one of the three, ideally Pickford, next summer. Which would be good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, apparently Lesel went out on loan because before COVID he wanted to play for Denmark in the Euros, and he was basically told by the Danish manager, "You've got to be playing somewhere, or you're not going to be under consideration." So. It wasn't the club just wanting rid of him, I think, and just say, deciding, oh, yeah, we've seen him in training. We think he's useless. We'll just be looking at him back. I think it was more a concerted effort by him to say, look, I've I got a tournament on the horizon. I need some games. Can I go play there for, for a few months? And then when the tournament's finished in the summer, I'll come back next season. But also, there's a there's the small problem of a Kasper Schmeichel-shaped like, issue in the Danish team. So, you know, that, and I can't see him starting anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely not. But but he gives himself a better chance if he's if he's playing. If if Schmeichel picks up an injury and he's playing regularly there, so then he goes straight in. If Michael point, yeah, picks, very good point. If Michael picks if Schmeichel picks up an injury and Lesel's not playing, but the number three is, then the number three might get in. You know, I I, I understood. We did similar with Holgate. We sent him out on loan because Jaggy Elka was still here for a few more months the season before. And then when Jaggy Elka came back, Holgate went into the team and took his role in the squad. Yeah, it's a, it's a good. Good way of going about it, and maybe it's a sign that we've actually got some element of a clue, despite us, you know, you know it's maybe it's a, a decent model to follow, but you know, can't, at least get, it, can't get it all wrong, can you? We've got to get a no, few come things on, about, right. It's about, come on, it's got about time, we got something right. Uh, but anyway, Martin Stecklenberg moves on. We, we can't exactly grade a season out of term because he hasn't had a season, he hasn't played. But let's grade his Everton career because it's seen as he's on his way. Martin Stecklenberg's Everton career out of 10, Terry. Four. Had one good game, but was a hologram every other time. But he had, and I didn't touch on this, but I want to get it in there, an outstanding Barnet. Goes a long way with me, that. Well, that gets you an extra point on, on, on the scoreboard. Yeah, he's, he's a three, but then he gets a four for a, Barnet, for a good Barnet. Paul? Um, I'll give him a free. I, I do remember him playing one de- half-decent game other than the City one. It was probably, I think it was it was his first game. Like it was a Tottenham at home in 2016. Right, yeah. 16, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think he made a really great save near the end of the game when it was 1-1 and Spurs were pushing for a winner. It was not 1-1, it was 2-2. It was 1-0. Played Delefeu up front. Yeah. yeah. That game, yeah. It was yeah, it was his debut, his, his league debut. He made a really good save at the end that I remember. Because I, I remember coming out of the game thinking, maybe this fella can do a job for six months and um, we can get th- through the season with him. Because and Joel can go back to number two because I, I'd lost faith in Joel by that point. But as Terry said, I remember I, I watched a lot, a good amount of games with him since then, especially ones in the cups, and he was 
No, I mean, I think for for me, the low point of... I mean, Stecklenberg was bad in the Man United game that season, but for me, the low point of Stecklenberg had to be the away game at Atalanta. That was god-awful. That wasn't for me. It was probably Chelsea away when we lost 5-0, and he went down in installments for every goal. It went down oh, in installments yeah. for every goal. That's right, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think I must have tried to erase that one from my mind. So anyway, I'll, <laughs> I was going to give Stecklenberg a four. Um, we'll leave it at that because, you know, he's, he's barely played a full season's worth of games for us in four years and no one's really that bothered. He's going and, you know, we, I think he's, he goes well to any real fanfare, so we'll leave it at that. Final one, we've got one more player review to do during this podcast, and it's going to be on Michael Keane. Terry's just going to have a quick swig of his Pepsi before we kick into this one. Here we go. We'll start with Paul on this one. How do you think Michael Keane's got on this season? Um, Not as good as last season, but not quite as bad as his first season. So maybe this, maybe this season we saw Michael Keane's true level where he'll play well in some games and there'll be some games that he's just absolutely awful in. And the only way you'll get a proper use out of him is if you play in a low block defensive system. Michael Keane, am I right in saying he's got two years left on his deal now? It should be, yeah. 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 Well, the the way I sum up Michael Keane is if it wasn't for COVID and everything that's going on in the world, if this was just a normal summer and a normal transfer window, I'm pretty convinced the club would, get rid of Michael Keane. I think he'd look to cash in before he goes down to his final year. I just don't <laughs> think he's shown enough last season or over his three years overall to warrant st- sticking around with the club if it's serious about doing anything in the future. I just think Everton was t- too big a step up for him. I don't think he's an awful player. I think he, if he went back no. to a Burnley or he went to, I don't know, a Southampton or a, cl- a club that is traditionally because I know Burnley managed to do better this season. A club that is traditionally a bottom half side and play under a pragmatic manager, he could probably do really well again. But Michael Keane this season and in his first season, we saw when we you tried to play uh, positive football in an expansive system. I just don't think he, 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 he cuts it. it. I don't think he cuts it, no. So this season in particular, he had a few good games here and there, but I can think of more bad games than good games. And I can think of a lot of indifferent games, so yeah, uh, Michael Keane, he did okay, but f- in my opinion, okay shouldn't be good enough to be get to be hanging around at Everton long term. Certainly not as a first choice, anyway. No. Uh, Terry, what about you, mate? What do you think about Michael Keane's 2019-20 season? Yeah, to, to be honest, m- mostly the same as Paul. Um, you know, he's he's been good in spells, not very good in spells. I think he's been more good than bad. Like we, It's just what everyone knows about Keane. I just come to learn about Keane that when he's playing in a game where you're going to do a lot more defending, you're going to sit a bit deeper, and you're playing the better teams, he excels and he looks like a really good defender. But then when he's got to be higher up the pitch and he's got to, you know, he's got to be involved in more one-on-ones and he's got to, um, you know, he's got to play the high line, he struggles. Yeah, and he gets exposed. He's very slow, isn't he? Yeah, and it's like we've got to make a decision now because he's only got two years left on his deal. We don't want him to be going into next summer where he's got one year left on his deal. So the club needs to either sit down and make a, just a commitment and go, well, 
we're going to play a low block enough to justify having him because you're going to need four centre backs. So we've only got three at the minute and Brantwaite, but I think Brantwaite's probably going to go on loan, let's be honest. You know, he's done really well, but um, I think he'll progress a lot more out of the Premier League Everton spotlight. You know, like, you know, good loan, another John Joe Kenny type loan when he plays all the time. We touched on this in another episode, but. So we've With the brand, I think the brand he, weight he, episode, believe it or not. Yeah, even even if yeah, that as well. Even if we do get another centre back, obviously right now we're we're interested in Gabriel. I still think there's room for Keane to stay and the decision to be made next summer, but they need to decide what to do and on not a decision on Keane next summer, but a decision on centre backs. If they decide I want Keane to be one of the four centre backs at the club, that's fine, and then they can look to sell Yeni Mina next summer because he's got a longer on his deal. But they need to decide now are you going with Keane or are you going with it, Mina? Yeah. Because, because if you're going with Mina, you need to get Keane sold now this summer. And if you're going with Keane, you need to start putting the feelers out there for, for Mina, yeah. For Mina. It doesn't have to be sold straight away, but you need to have a deal lined up for next summer. I personally, just on a straight footballing level, prefer Yeri Mina to Michael Keane. I think Michael Keane's a good defender, but he's got a certain ceiling. And I don't want to have a player who can only play in certain types of matches because we've got that already. We've got midfielders who can only play in certain formations. We've got strikers who can only play in a two and blah, blah. I don't want to restrict ourselves any further. I'd like to have a team as much as possible that's quite flexible. Versatile, yeah. So with Keane, I think... We should be looking to sell him. His stock will be higher than it would have been because he had a good, you know, post lockdown. He was very yeah. good. Good project restart. He would be attractive. The only problem is the money he'd attract for him and who's going to buy him because the t- I think he was linked with Tottenham before the lockdown. Now, Tottenham obviously got a lot of financial problems now, so that's probably gone out the window. And they caught him look very perplexed by that one there. Well, he he it was it wasn't everywhere, but he was getting. But you got to remember, Jose Mourinho. He he likes to play a low block, and he's likes just left defensive the, football. Yeah, he's just left the tongue and go. So it might not have been true, but it, it it's not you know completely out of the realms of possibility. So there are, I mean, there, there will be teams interested in him, but it's Everton's price probably won't be a it won't be a fire sale price like a Morgan Schneiderlin just to get rid of him because Keane's. Here, Keane's contributing. Keane's scoring goals. He's also he's, he's, he's well. not po- he's not poisoning the dressing room. Yeah, exactly that. So I, I it could it could be that we we wait another year and and see where we end up. But I think that'd be a mistake because then you're all powers in Keane's hands to leave next summer. But he's in a good he's in a strong position. The club got a, a player who's useful, and they just need to see if if someone will match their valuation this summer. If I they think don't. it is. He's yeah. he's a low block player isn't he it's horses for courses in that respect yeah and if you're going to be that type of team then great he's your man but I think Everton will only play the low block at certain times against certain clubs and I don't think we'll do enough to justify having Michael Keane around because we'll have others coming through you know and I just think if it's a straight up choice between him and Yeri Mina Keane's Keane's come back into me favour since lockdown a lot more than he was when he went into it, but he's still behind Mina for me in terms of ability. Yeah, I mean, I think Keane moving forwards is probably the le- the less versatile in terms of being able to adapt. So I think that stands against them. 
He's also got a good injury record as well, whereas Mina hasn't. Yeah, Mina's injury record is appalling. Yeah, that'll be that'll be weighed into it. You know, they they could just that that will be a factor when they weigh if they are going to weigh up to two of them, like I've suggested, that will come into it, and Mina will lose to him in that regard. But um, I still I don't know. I still I still think. Keane's probably the one I'd look to. I think you'd get more money for Keane as well. But I think the, are you sure? That's the next thing I was actually going to ask was Michael Keane is a predominantly low block centre back. The sides that play the low block are generally less well off sides with you know less funds to spend. Is it less likely that we could get a decent fee for you know Yeti Mean is one of those more fashionable I think he's more fashionable and one of the more fashionable clubs with a bit bit more money in their wallet might be able to pay a bit more for him yeah it's a good point I think you'd probably get a different market of clubs for me than you would Keane you mean you wouldn't get Valencia or someone like that after well, Michael Keane. I think Valencia is the name that's been thrown around for Yeti Mina, hasn't he? Yeah, that's probably where I've got that from. But um, you wouldn't see those type of clubs being linked with Michael Keane very often because you just wouldn't. Uh, whereas Yeti Mina, you would. So it might come down to that. If you've got a good offer for Mina, then you might just go, you know what, Keane it is. We'll offer him a new deal and let Lamina go. But if it was fantasy football, um, football manager or whatever, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking to move Keane out and make as much money from him as possible. I think that I think that's what it boils down to, to be honest. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, I think if Keane goes this summer or goes in January, because I wouldn't rule that out either when he's got a year and a half left and he's maybe not in the first team by that point. I think I, what I can see is I can see him going to, I don't know, maybe a West Brom or a Leeds on an initial loan deal, and maybe the club try and work something in where if that club stays up, then it activates a clause, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can, Leeds, I can have, see Leeds that, have yeah. just fallen foul of that with John Kevin Augustan, haven't they, with Leipzig? I think they had an obligation yeah. to buy because they thought he was going to be boss. And they went up anyway, but obviously they have to pay for him now. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of. We're not in, um, factoring in here who are probably a very realistic shout. I mean, I don't know what their finances are like. West Ham. Moyes, Is yeah. Moyes going to still be there, though, by that point? I think he will now, yeah. And he's, he's, he, they can't sack him after a second time keeping him up. Even they can't be that bad, those owners. No, no but never, never write not, it off. Their owners are, um, are, are like Newcastle. They've got delusions of grandeur. No. They'll keep him for now, but as soon as be it a bad run, they'll sack him and get in some, some manager who's wears a suit nicer than Moyes does. They did it last time with Pellegrini. They'll keep him for... He's guaranteed himself another three or four months in the job, but as soon as they hit a bad one, mate, Moyes is gone. If they were in love with Moyes, they wouldn't have got rid of, rid of him the first time. They only, they only brought Moyes back because he's the only person who'd have had it after they sacked sack Pellegrini because the Everton job didn't come through for him. So, yeah. I mean, never go back. And Moyes has actually managed West Ham in more separate spells than he's managed Everton. Which is an interesting point, but um, anyway, we'll leave it at that for Michael Keane. We'll give our votes out at 10. Terry, Keane out of 10. Six. Six. Paul? I'm toying between a five or a six because I don't think he's been awful, but I don't think he's been really good either. Um, give him a five. I'm going to give him a six. I think 
either given him a four, well, a five, or even worse, a four before lockdown. But I thought he's been excellent since the lockdown. So, you know, it gets him an extra point on the board. I'll give him a six. But for you podcast listeners, you know what it is time for. It's time for the classic quiz, the match day squad quiz, and it's Battle of the McAllisters. Teddy goes up against Paul. <laughs> the McAllister Derby. So basically, I name an Everton fixture from the past, and the two lads are going to take it in turns to reel off the members of the squad, starters, and use substitutes only. And the first to get a wrong answer loses, basically. Um, so, first things first, we decide who goes first. And I've still got the trusty one pence piece. And I'll let Paul pick this one, heads or tails, Paul. Tails. Tails. It's Eds. So Teddy gets to pick. Do you want to go first or second, Teddy? I'll go first, please. Yeah, of course. He's going to go first after this dub on uh, Monday night. Of course, he wants to actually get an unbeaten run going for once in this quiz. <laughs> so, Teddy, you're up first. and I'll reveal the fixture in question. So cue the intense quiz music. And on what has been Schadenfreude the clock today, it's been a disastrous day for Newcastle United. And on that day, we're going to go back to a time when Everton inflicted some heartache on the Geordies themselves. Newcastle United nil, Everton won, Boxing Day 2015. That's our fixture. 11 starters and four subs. Teddy, you're up, mate. 2015. Um... Trying to go with the goalkeeper first, but not sure. Um, Tim Howard. Was it Tim Howard or was it Joel? Tim Howard's got. It was Tim Howard. I wasn't sure whether Joel was there first. So it, I was was very, it was very, very close. I think this was around the time he lost his place, Howard. So you, 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 yeah. you really got you got away with one there. If you ask me, I wouldn't have gone with that one first. I was nervous. I didn't want to have, after winning last week and beating Thomas. I didn't want to go down on the first question on the first pick. Yeah, I think there was a few more obvious ones than that. To be honest, Paul, maybe you could shine one of those uh, obvious ones. Um. 2015, did you say Boxing Day? Boxing Day 2015. So, was what, what season was this? Was this 14-15 or 15-16? 15-16. 15-16. Right. Um, I'm going to say this because I, re- I remember him scoring. Tom Cleverley? It was Tom Cleverley. 93rd minute winner, of course. And uh, I think I remember that one very fondly. It was a brilliant little Boxing Day that... Uh, yeah, very good memories of that, this game. So, yeah, I think if I was taking part in this quiz, I'd do very well. But Tom Cleverley was indeed the match winner in the 93rd minute and inflicted late heartache on the Geordies. Uh, so, yeah, we've got the goal scorer of the way. We've still got 12 to go. Terry, you're up again. Romelu Lukaku. Romelu Lukaku played the full game. going to take a gamble here because I don't know whether he was in the team at this point on or if he was injured but I'm going to go with Mohamed Besic Yeah, spot on with Mohamed Besic and one of my last memories of this game is Besic absolutely mobbing cleverly at the end of this game when the goal goes in so yeah a really good uh, shout there Besic was a used substitute 
John Stones? Yep, John Stones played the full game. Um, I'm going to say this one, even though it feels like it's too obvious. And it's, it's, when I feel like something's too obvious, it's usually wrong. Leighton Baines? Leighton Baines was playing, he played the full game. Ross Barkley? Yep, Ross Barkley started the game. I've gone right up to the spine of the team there. You know, I'm trying to think of the peripheral players. Um, are we talking players on the bench as well, or only starters? Uh, starters and substitutes who came on. Okay. Um, Gerard Delafeu. Gerard Delafeu was a used substitute. That was going to be my next guess. Um, Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry played the full game. How many more have we got? We've got one, two, three, four, five more. Um. This one feels like an obvious one, and I'm scared it's going to be wrong, but... So James McCarthy, did, did he come off the message? Teddy's got two dubs in a row. James McCarthy was injured for this game. Mm. Teddy, you've won two in the same week, mate. What's going, what's going on here, mate? I know, I'll be... Uh, I'll be... Talking like I'm going to win the league next and everything. And and, and Thomas, I mean, obviously Thomas picked this one because it was Newcastle getting beaten. He's a Gateshead fan as well, so of course he, he selected this quiz for us. And he said, "I want one that's as Teddy proof as possible." And <laughs> you've gone and thrown this one right in his face. So uh, Thomas is going to have to do better than this to get one over on you. He's uh, clearly stinging from that defeat the other day and. His, his vendetta hasn't gone very well. Uh, Paul's going to have to go and console him in the dressing room. <laughs> and on that note, I think I've given you one of the other ones you haven't got yet, was? Uh, Seamus Coleman. Yeah, Seamus Coleman was one of the others. And there's three more starters and one more used substitute to guess if you can get them. Did Stephen Naismith? No, there was no Stephen Naismith. Funes Mori. Yep, Funes Mori started the game, played the full game. We've got the back four, the keeper, centre mid, attacker mid. Who came off? It's got to, it's got to be who came off for Besic, isn't it? You've actually, it was Barkley who came off for Besic, so you've oh, had Barclay, that Did he play in central midfield? Did he? He did indeed. That day. Um... Did Delafeu come off the bench? Did you say? I think no. I think yeah, he came it. off. He came off the bench. Yeah. I think. I think I've got it. Go on. Was it? Was it Aruna Kone? No, Aruna Kone was an unused sub. Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon started and came off for Delafeu. You've got so, one more starter and uh, yeah, one more starter and one more unused sub, and I think it was the. The sub replaced the starters, so the ones you're missing. Was it Matthew Pennington or someone, or a kid? No Pennington. Oh, it's obvious. Leon Osman. Leon Osman was the final use substitute who came on in the 85th minute. 
You know, and who, who who was he replaced? He's the missing I man. I didn't want to say Osman because I remember him being injured a lot that season. I didn't think he. This was it. his last season, actually. But yeah, he came yeah. off the bench in the 85th minute. But who played the first 85? Okay, so we've got the back four, the keeper. We've got Barry. We've got Cleverly. Got Lennon. We've got Barkley. We've got Lukaku. Was it Morales? It was indeed Kevin Morales. He was the missing man. So yeah, the starting eleven was Howard Coleman, Stones, Funes, Mori, Baines, Barkley, Barry, Cleverly, Lennon, Morales, and Lukaku. The used substitutes were Besic, Delafeu, and Osman. And the unused subs were Joel Robles, Darren Gibson, Aruna Kone, and Brendan Galloway. And yeah, I had a feeling there was a kid, there was a kid on the bench there because I remember a kid celebrating with Cleverly at the end. It was, I think it was Galloway, yeah. And yeah. then um, this is where I remember Besic so vividly, like celebrating at the end, like in that big mob. Yeah, because the old ran over the bench, didn't he? And there was like a big, yeah, it was a big. Yeah, it was that absolute belter of a game. Now, boss boxing day it was. And uh, you know, shouting through the clock again. I think it's always nice to inflict some pain on the Jordies. It is the football club, not the people, Thomas. So yeah, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there we go. Terry gets two quiz wins in the same week, which is. You know, unprecedented times we're living in, and uh, that means Teddy gets to pick the song, of course, which he uses out at the end. So he's going to have to start scrolling through. He's going to have to start finding some new songs to put on this at the end now, if he's going to get I a winning run together. To, I don't need to scroll today because a song uh, I came on earlier today. I don't know whether I've had it before, but to hell, it won't be recently. Um, Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. Ah, nice, good it's shout. Fit. The clip it was used, a clip of the film Kingsman was on Twitter today that I saw, and it um, uses Freebirds. Um, I won't explain the film, but it's just a really, one of the best filmed fight scenes in any film ever. Is that Kingsman it's, Secret, Kingman Secret Service? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's funny, but when you see the fight scene that's set to Freebirds, it's just so good, like the way the camera follows all the action, it's just like, oh, that's brilliant the way it's, I don't know how they've managed to do it, but it's fantastic and um, yeah, Clifford came on Twitter today, and it just made me think what a song Freebird is, it's with the guitar solo. Yeah, we, we, we need a Freebird fight scene to like cover your next quiz against Thomas at this rate Yeah <laughs> A little Clash of the Titans, that, but there you go Teddy's picked the winning song, if you like, Free Bear by Leonard Skinner. We'll see you out to that song, and until next time, thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues. We'll see you later.